Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And we are live. Hey, welcome everyone to another edition of Rogue Mornings. And this is CJ with Crypto Cowboy. V is on a very well-deserved vacation. Uh, but do me a favor, jump over to roguenews.com. Make sure you bookmark, subscribe. I still get emails, people asking, where are you guys? Where can I find your shows? Roguenews.com has all of our shows. So bookmark, subscribe, and you'll get email notifications eventually coming up pretty soon when we put new content there. And then also make sure you follow us on Twitter, which is over at The Real Rogue News. Uh, with that being said, Crypto Cowboy, what's up? How's it going, brother? Good, good. How you doing, man? Doing great, uh, Cowboy. It's, um, you know, we're, we're here and it's, today is Thursday, July the 14th. Uh, summer is moving by relatively quickly. Um, so just trying to trying to slow things down a little bit. Enjoy. I'm not much of a, of a, of a winter fan. Uh, so I'm trying to do the what I can to try to stretch summer out, waking up earlier, going to bed later, all those things to maximize my day. No, that's awesome. Uh, what time is sundown where you live? You know, it's later. It's usually about 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So we get a good amount of uh, daytime uh, lights, but typically about 9, 9.15 is when it finally uh, gets considerably dark. But it's, yeah, so it's a, it's a long day. And morning sunrise is usually about, usually about 5 a.m. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of like us. Uh, it doesn't really get dark till around ten o'clock where we are. Nice, nice. That's uh, and if you're if you're a, a night owl, um, sometimes you may have a little bit of difficulty. But uh, last night I was, I can't remember what show I was watching. Um, uh, Goodfellas. I was watching Goodfellas last night. Um, nice. You know, yeah. I just I was uh, going back and and watching and just amazing how young those guys are. I I love some of the storylines. Um, but it takes me sometimes when it's that late at night, you know, two or three times to finish a show because literally I'll wake up and it'll be on a next movie or something like that. But it's, it's all good. Welcome, Texas Tom Payne. Uh, thank you for joining the stream. Uh, FOMO FUD, welcome. Uh, glad you're here. Um, and then everyone else that's tuning in, whether you're on uh, Twitch, uh, DLive, uh, Float, Twitter, wherever you are, welcome. So. Biden sucks stuff. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Such a great name. Biden sucks stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I, man. yeah, I saw a plate the other day in it and I was trying to figure out what it had, but I definitely uh, saw the, you know, how they have the uh, 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 let's go Brandon. Um, and it had, it had something like that, but then it had characters afterwards and they were speeding away. And I'm like, what the hell? That's pretty awesome. I'm surprised the license branch didn't catch it and be like, Hey, you can't put that on your plate, but obviously somebody got away with it. Yeah, maybe the maybe the cops that saw them are you know not Biden fans. Yeah, yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe they're maybe they're getting pulled over for speeding. They're like, hey, I saw your plate. It's pretty cool, dude. You know, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's my card. If you ever in trouble, call me. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Cowboy, yeah. I tell you what. Uh, yesterday, the dynamics in in the market were was, uh, kind of a roller coaster. We saw a lot of things uh, happening, a lot of action in the bond market. Uh, it looked like they did everything they could to try to 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 control the loss in the uh, S and P. Uh, what what uh, what say you? What's uh, what do you what do you want to share today? Go for it, man. Sure. Well, yesterday was about CPI. Today is about PPI. So um, CPI, consumer price inflation. Um, let me go ahead and bring up instead of starting with PPI, I'll just I'm going to move over to a different screen here. Give me one second. Um, I probably should have started there. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Let's see here. Tab Dixie. All right. So before we go on to what I think is actually uh, I'm going to talk today about strong dollar and how that actually is a problem in the current environment. But before we go there. We're going to take a quick look at the S&P 500. I like that as the bellwether. It's used by a lot of people as the bellwether. So it's, you know, that's not a big surprise. Um, but yeah, there, you know, massive meltdown. Uh, let me jump to the weekly. And uh, let's see, I've been actually calling this out for a while. Let's go to a chart that's a little more drawn out. Um, you know, these are, this is a prediction from, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about, about two, three months ago. Uh, I predicted a drop to the current level, although it did, uh, you know, want to rally up a little bit before that. And that's right when everybody was, this is like in May, early mid-May, and everybody was saying, eh, everybody's going to buy the dip. And I'm like, buy it, have fun, you know, go ahead and fill my shorts because you're going to be filling your shorts when the price goes down. That's fuck. That's good. That's good trading jokes. Yeah. But let me tell you, uh, I did predict 3,600 being a bit of a support and it, and it did rally off of that in uh, mid June. Um, and now it's actually heading back down and to break it down to the daily so we can actually see yesterday's price action. Yeah, it was, you know, yesterday's price action was kind of indecisive. Um, and, you know, I might ask you to elaborate on what your uh, on the bond market talk in a second here, um, because I wasn't paying as much attention to that. Uh, but the CPI print was 0.2 up on a month over month. So prediction was about 1.1. It ended up being 1.3. That's about an 18% difference. So that's a difference in prediction, which you know initially started out as brutal, but ended up not being that big of a deal um, to look at like a two-hour chart. So basically, actually, this is a 108-minute chart. It's one of my custom timeframes. This big, you know, hard arrow down. Um, yesterday was kind of the reaction. And then I'm sure all of the uh, stuff that CJ is talking about, you know, they, they did what they could to buoy that and it rose back up. And now, of course, today, whatever they did was reversed. I get the idea that they're using just enough ammo to keep people from freaking out. And then they'll let it go down once people stop paying attention. Um, so what did you see in the bond market, CJ? Well, real quick, because um, you just brought up the dollar chart, right? terms of uh yeah the dixie i can bring let me uh, add uh, so you know uh yesterday i brought up the article uh very significant was the first time that the euro and the dollar hit parity uh meaning a one for one uh, exchange and that hasn't happened in 20 years uh so basically what this equates to is there's amount a massive amount of pressure on the euro as you know basically what people said that they were going to be willing to sacrifice uh the eurozone and they're going to blame uh ukraine they're going to blame the war there which is part of their own self-inflicted wound. A lot of people are referring it to as the boomerang effect. So nearly every bit of the tariffs, every bit of the failed policies uh, that NATO, that the West has put together an attempt to 
slow down Putin has absolutely failed uh, and actually backfired and it's impacting them. So, so again, uh, the Euro, uh, the Eurozone, the amount of pressure that's taken there, hence the policy changes in the last recent days, there's been like, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're thinking about firing up uh, coal again. We're, and we're, we're going to look at nuclear. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and assign and say that nuclear is actually green friendly. They have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> they have no choice to do this. They're literally everyone of their, their policies is, is failing their fictitious world of make-believe that they're successful uh, reality bites you in the ass. And that's exactly what's happening to Euro right now, to, to, you know, to Europe. Well, and, and this, uh, I think I covered the last week about uh, the Euro- European Union declaring uh, nuclear and natural gas to be green. Yep. And now I do agree. First of all, when it comes to like burning fossil fuels, I do believe there is pollution and we should curtail it. I don't necessarily automatically believe that is changing you know like climate change and all that i think that's still the jury's out on that and i'm i'm (laughs) being generous with that um but when it comes to nuclear it's actually rather clean uh and it's i think it should have been a green energy from the start um so you know there's a lot there but just leave it at that natural gas on the other hand when you i was actually in the natural gas business directly for like three years four years and i still have a finger in it um, and I can tell you when you burn natural gas, it is very clean. However, uh, when you get it out of the ground, not so much uh, that, you know, basically natural gas is going to come from the same source as oil. So all the fracking and all the pollution that comes with getting oil out of the ground and all the energy it takes, the carbon footprint, if you care about carbon footprints, um, you know, that actually is a contributor to natural gas. So natural gas is not that green, which is a demonstration of the uh sanctimoniousness if that's a word of the uh, european leadership it's like oh a natural gas is green like no it's not so basically you're desperate that's that's my point um in that correct and i i have uh i can share the dixie chart if you're ready for that okay there you go oh cool thanks um so let me make this a little bit bigger not this is the opposite of bigger let's see here so the dixie i need to I need to widen this out. We're going to go on a monthly. We're going to look at, at a lot of time here. So this is a monthly chart. So I'm, I'm literally looking back to like the year 2000. Um, the dollar hit a dollar twenty. So this is, remember, okay, strong dollar, right? What is this being compared to? The DXY is a comparison with other currencies, relevant currencies, probably mostly the currencies that are in the IMF. So you're talking about uh, the euro, the the yen, the Aussie dollar, the Kiwi, the, you know, pretty much the ma- the Forex majors more or less. Um, so it's not like the dollars getting incredibly strong, you know, against a lot of stuff. However, uh, you know, because we still see inflation and without getting too philosophical, um, I'm going to stick to the currencies though. And a strong dollar is actually extremely harmful. Um, right now from a purely charting and technical standpoint, this can be looked at as a sort of a bull flag. Um, and bull flags are great. A lot of people talk trash on old school patterns, but that's stupid because they work still. And this is a bull flag where I'm putting these yellow. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, actually make this a little more visible here if I can. So the yellow lines here represent the actual flag portion. 
right? So this going up here is like the flagpole. This up here is like the flag. And it tends to be an A, B, C, D formation where you have this move up is repeated from the bottom of that flag. And this flag is kind of cool because it's actually a horizontal flag. Horizontal flags are actually rather bullish, right? Um, if it was pointing downwards, it's not quite as bullish. But A, B, C, D patterns tend to play out and it matches up perfectly with that dollar 20 high that we saw around the year 2000 right so and what happened in 2000 we had the dot-com burst so basically what's a little bit different right now is that stocks and bonds are more or less moving in the same direction um, however now the dollar moving up compared to other currencies is a form of contagion and that's what i wanted to cover on the show today um, it's a little bit getting into the weeds but not too far so before i get into why this is really bad and in particular, why it's really bad for sovereign debt of developing countries. Uh, CJ, do you have any kind of comments on what we're seeing with the dollar rising up to the, the well, 120 mark? And, and I'm going to borrow uh, some of the commentary from, uh, you know, Jim Willie. Um, you know, Jim had always said lo a long time ago that the dollar would go up, 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 up and up. And eventually would just, you know, come come crashing down. Um, I think and we're starting to see some of that. We're starting to see some of the other world economies, but they're going to have they're going to have a, a huge struggle when in terms of uh, it comes to paying um, just their the, any type of, of loans and debt. You know, that's going to be more difficult for them to uh, to come up with that when they're, they're dealing with the dollar being that that strong, uh, in my opinion, Cowboy. Well, there's a there's a like direct example of what happens when a country is in that situation and the dollar helps to create it. And that direct example is Sri Lanka. Yep. Perfect. Yep. So, you know, that's that's what happens and it's going to be the emerging countries. So all these, uh, you know, virtue signaling, ESG people who are running the Fed and basically telling the Fed what to do, all these people who pretend to care about minorities and poor people, they're also pushing the policies that are going to destroy the sovereign debt of emerging countries. So, you know, not exactly like your kindest people. Um, and that's, that's kind of what that is. And the euro is like... Look, the European Union, believe it or not, there's still a fair amount of manufacturing there. Yeah, it's not what it was. It's We're even doing more manufacturing than them. You know, of course, you know, China's doing the most. And, the, you know, manufacturing, in my opinion, is where most of the wealth comes from, right? So the parity with the dollar, though, is going to make a humongous problem. Um, and that European stability fund, actually, is something that, uh, a lot of people don't know about. I'm going to switch screens here. So give me one second here. So the European stability mechanism, it was actually um, intended. And I don't know if, uh, if that screen's up yet. There, there it is. Go. This is Wikipedia, you know, so this is just kind of, you know, there's no spin on this, right? There's no like, uh, oh, this is conspiracy corner. Because Wikipedia, in my opinion, is going to lean, you know, towards the establishment. Exactly. But what I've hired, yep. right? You know, it's, it's so the history of the European, um, it started in the sovereign debt crisis, which was uh, what, 2010, 2012. And it was intended as a temporary measure, right? And basically what it is, it's a, it's effing communism is what it is. Like yeah. it's yeah. sovereigns, it's sovereign state communism. Like, all right. So uh, the most productive countries and the most fiscally responsible countries in Europe are going to be Germany, then France, then like maybe Italy, because Italy actually has a lot of manufacturing and you know they're more powerful than people know. And so what they're doing 
is there are just those powerful countries that actually manufacture, that actually create wealth, they are, they're going to be cannibalized to pay for the countries that don't. And this whole thing was started as an emergency measure. And inst- instead of actually redoing it, they just kind of added a couple of superfluous clauses in there and they made it permanent. And that was in, <laughs> I think it was like, I don't know, 2013 or something like that. And so the result I'll scroll down to, and then we'll, we'll kind of leave off of this. Okay. ESN member states that contribute the most, right? Germany, number one, France, number two, Italy, number three, Spain, number four, Netherlands, Belgium. So all of these sort of like larger economies and or Northern economies, they're the ones contributing the most like Germany. Okay. Greece, right? Germany has contributed 10 times as much as Greece. And Greece is on the list of European countries above the 50% line of, contri- of contributors. So all these large companies are having to support like Malta, you know, Slovakia, although Greece being such a big economy, a lot of money has gone to them. So in, in other words, these countries, because they're part of the Eurozone, are forced to support the other countries. And the Germans and the French and the Italians are probably getting really tired of uh, of doing that. But this is a debt trap, right? So these, and this is going to work like, I mean, look, Malta, Estonia, Malta and Cyprus are a little different. There's a lot of financial stuff there, but like Slovenia, Slovakia, Cyprus, you know, well, Cyprus actually has a lot of financial stuff. But you know, a lot of the poorer countries, they're not really producing a whole lot of stuff, or maybe they are now, but when you weaken their currency, as you talked about earlier, CJ, as you mentioned, when their currency becomes really weak, especially compared to the dollar, which still dominates trade, then they have the inability to pay off their sovereign debt. Now, there's two issues that go on there. Um, One, debt is money. So when you create debt, it's just like in our country with the Federal Reserve. When we loan money to, say, uh, Greece, right? Or let's just say Germany loans money to Greece and they do it at a, let's say 1%, right? Well, that extra 1% with interest becomes money because it's debt and debt's always monetized in the new economy. So when that debt becomes unpayable and needs to be written down, then that's actually a lot. Like that money literally just, you just take that money and light it on fire. Mind you, it never existed in the first place. But it's being treated as if it existed, and it literally makes the economy bigger, right? Because that liability becomes an asset. It's it's the backwards way that money is made today. And the problem with debt traps is in the end, it's not real money, and it's treated as real money. And when it gets lit on fire, then you have a major issue. Now, imagine being uh, Sri Lanka or you know whatever, some really poor country that owes the United States a lot of money. Now, the United States has that dollar that's just rising and rising and rising. So in order to fulfill their debt obligations, those countries have to print more and more money because they're all fiat. You know, These countries all have fiat money. But then they, they have to go into major hyperinflation just to cover their debts. So we're literally destroying the economies of all of these other countries. And of course, what it's going to be is it's a debt trap. It'll be renegotiated. But in the meantime, all that money just disappears. So it literally is going to cause a collapse of sorts. So how is that problem going to go away? I don't know. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, it, you know, we're talking about the world becoming aware. Um, actually, you got Tucker right there. Is Tucker going to describe? <clears throat> yeah, I want to uh, play a, a, a piece of this because I think it's, it's very important in regards to getting people to understand, especially the, those who at the younger age, and those who are really influencing 
the U.S. economy to move towards that that green agenda. And why I think it's relevant, because you just gave perfect examples of, of some of those developing countries are going to have a huge struggle uh, to pay their, their pay their sovereign debt. But not only that, with some of the policies that they've implemented, they were promised by the, the world organizations. Hey, we, we promise you, if you shift to a green economy, all these wonderful things are going to happen. So let's play some of this, uh, Cowboy, because I think it's very eye opening for all those who say that the United States can move to a green economy rather quickly. This is what happens. United States Congress in our lifetimes, provided this remains an actual democracy, which is to say, provided the public has anything to say about how they're governed. So that's a non-starter here. It's never going to happen by democratic means. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. It doesn't mean that ideologues can't impose the Green New Deal on weaker countries that are too poor to refuse it. And over the past several years, that's exactly what they've done. So the Green New Deal has actually taken effect around the world. So we don't have to guess about what would happen if it took effect here. We can know that's science. Let's start with Ghana. Ghana's a pretty little country, peaceful place, actually, on the west coast of Africa. Three years ago, Ghana was in great shape. It had one of the fastest growing economies in the world. In fact, it had so much energy over most of the last decade, it was exporting it to its neighbors in West Africa. Now, those energy exports from Ghana peaked in 2014. Why that year? Well, because the next year, the World Bank published this headline on its website, quote, World Bank approves largest ever guarantees for Ghana's energy transformation. Oh, when they promised to transform your energy, slow down. But Ghana didn't slow down. They just kept going. And the World Bank promised to provide, and we're quoting, technical assistance for energy sector reforms and the drafting of a new renewable energy law. So in return for all this help, Ghana agreed to limit its carbon emissions. And then they entered the Paris Climate Agreement. Oh, how virtuous. What happened next? This is the part you don't read that much about. Last year, Ghana experienced a complete shutdown of its national power supply. Oh, no more electricity. <laughs> no emissions because we have no electricity. And blackouts have continued since then. Just yesterday, a news source in Ghana reported that, quote, residents in parts of the Ashanti region who have been hit with power cuts are without water as well. Because it turns out you need electricity to provide water, also right. to grow food. Now, this is not a small thing. The Ashanti region has millions of people living in it. They're all now living in the Stone Age. And it's not just the energy grid that's now compromised in Ghana. International observers say the country is now facing severe food shortages and hunger, starvation within a matter of months. Why is that? It's a fertile country, hardworking people. Well, now they're running out of fertilizer. Why? Well, because for years, Sandy Cortez's friends in the NGO community pushed Ghana toward less efficient, more expensive organic fertilizers. And the government of Ghana, because it's not a rich government, caved. Last year, according to Ghana's news service, Ghana's agricultural minister, quote, urged local farmers to adopt an organic agriculture system to reduce the impact of climate change. Oh, what happened then? Well, the good people of Ghana, while they feel good about their fight against climate change, are now starving. And in June, Last month, police in Ghana used water and tear gas to attack hundreds of demonstrators in Accra, which is the capital of Ghana. Now, it's not just Ghana. The same thing just happened in Sri Lanka. In 2016, the World Economic Forum published an article by a Columbia professor called Joseph Stiglitz, one of the dumbest people on planet Earth, urging Ghana to transition to, quote, high productivity organic farming. Now, what does Stiglitz know about farming? Ever farmed? No. 
But he felt strongly that Sri Lanka should try a new kind of farming and, of course, sold it to Sri Lankans as a pathway to prosperity. In 2015, the World Economic Forum published an article on its website entitled, and we're quoting, this is how we will make Sri Lanka rich by 2025. You can search for that article, but it's gone now, along with the government of Sri Lanka. So they had an actual insurrection, not January 6th, not a guy in horns and a bearskin running around on mushrooms making weird noises. No, an actual insurrection where they like come to your house and swim in your swimming pool, root through your sock drawer and make you leave. That's what they did to the people who run Sri Lanka, they being the public. The turning point came in 2021 when the president of Sri Lanka, acting on advice from the World Economic Forum, banned the use and importation of chemical fertilizers. Now, the problem was virtually every farm in Sri Lanka used those fertilizers to produce food, which it turns out people need every day in order to survive. As a result of that move, food prices in Sri Lanka nearly doubled. Millions more Sri Lankans now live in poverty, which is not a joke. And because the economy has collapsed, Sri Lanka now cannot afford fuel imports. So Sri Lankans are now waiting days for gasoline. Watch. 36-year-old Thuvan, an auto rickshaw driver, has spent two nights at this gas station in central Colombo. It's been an endless wait to refuel his three-wheeler. Petrol pumps are all but dry across the city. At every petrol station we go to, they tell us they have run out of gas. With no fuel, Thuvan has been out of work. He leaves his rickshaw in the care of friends and heads home to meet family, where the situation is equally dire. There's been a crippling shortage of cooking gas across the island nation. Thuvan's wife, Fatima, has been cooking on a kerosene stove for the last three months. I only have this one bottle of kerosene left. It'll finish after I heat the food tonight. We can stop it there. Cowboy commentary on that. Oh, yeah, that's, well, that's, for one thing, this uh, Stieglitz, Joseph Stieglitz, uh, this is the type of thing that they lie and they lie and they lie. And so he's trying to say this is going to make you rich. And no, it surely didn't. Now, there are two countries. I, I believe the top two countries for ESG score, one of them was Sri Lanka. It was like a 99 yep. point something. Correct. And guess what? The number, I think number two, I believe it was the Netherlands. And what's happening in the Netherlands right now? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Farmers. Okay. So to make it, and we should probably mention this, right? So Klaus but, Schwab and, and, thinks, and then also the importance of, of what that score means as, as well, right? I mean, it, you, don't yeah, get the, the, you don't get the dollars. You don't get the investments unless you have a certain score. Uh, to come in and that's that's what they they thought they were doing the right thing right they they felt that they were doing the right thing for humanity they thought that uh, Greta uh, was right in 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 shaming them about their their not taking enough effort to to green their economies and and here you go that that's where they landed that's what you get ESG is just like everything else that these WEF types do they they try to do they make you think you're doing the right thing in reality you're just destroying yourself esg for we've talked about it enough but environmental social governance is a set of rules and laws that are actually very murky very arbitrary they're kind of what they make you think it is is that if you are say like net neutral green your your company is helping the environment and also by the way your company has to be socially you know like you have to have enough uh whatever lgbtq xyz put whatever 
um, people and minorities and whatever in your uh, in your leadership. It's all these different things, but the rules are actually kind of whatever they say they are. It's not like it's a it's a scoring system that you can literally check boxes and know what your score is going to be. It's uh, you know probably something a little more nefarious, like you know we're just going <laughs> to you make a deal with us and we'll give you a high score. That's what I think it is, but no one knows. Long story short. Um, the Netherlands was told that they had to shut down 30% of their farming. Now, the Netherlands is one of the biggest agricultural producers in Europe. And so they were told they had to shut down 30% of their farming. And I know Hartley uh, talked about this last Friday as well, if it was Friday. And uh, they were saying it was because of NO2 pollution. Now, here's the thing about nitrogen, right? Nitrogen in and of itself is actually inert. 80% of the air we breathe is nitrogen. Now, I'm not sure if it was NO2. No, I don't think it was NO2 pollution. I think it was just nitrogen pollution, but you'll have to get kind of back to you on, on the details of that. But to say that nitrogen is a problem, if it's just pure nitrogen, 80% of the air we breathe is nitrogen. So if you're saying, oh, well, we're putting nitrogen into the air and it's a problem. Like, no, it's not. It's most of our air. So then Klaus Schwab must think that you're really stupid. And uh, they shut down the farming. So what the, the farmers did was they went ahead and said, oh, you want to know what it's like without farmers? And they blocked all the food distribution centers with like tractors and trucks and stuff like that. And then to take it a step further, a, a step further towards Sri Lanka is they took their trucks and started spraying manure on like the, the houses of the leadership. <laughs> so that's the Netherlands and they're one of the highest ESG scored in the world. Yeah, that's what you there get. There you go. There you go. And this is the agenda that's coming to the United States. This is the plan. It, it's pretty much wide out, wide out in the open. They're, they're not hiding it. In, in fact, they're disappointed that, that Biden hasn't done more to push forth with this green agenda. You know, he's already promised I have this article brought up that, again, his his liaison to cli climate change is, is John Kerry, who has promised systematically that there will be no U.S. coal plants by 2030. Now, I'm not saying we can't shift away from uh, you know, current energy processing into more of a uh, friendly type uh, energy producing, whether it's nuclear, uh, natural gas. But however, there's a timetable for that. There, there, there's a schedule of things that needs, needs to take place. I've always been an advocate of whether you do a beta group, you do a pilot group. But unfortunately, Cowboy, when you look at what they've put out there so far, uh, they don't have a very good track record of success. No, their and, track and then, record is is oppression. Yes. And then look at look at some of the states who who have pushed some of this forth. You know, Texas, for example, who at one time I thought Texas was a huge oil producer. I didn't think Texas would have much problems with energy production, but they put out warnings to say, hey, listen, if you don't mind, shut down major appliances from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, so we don't cla collapse the entire uh, uh, Texas, the, the grid, the, the power grid. And, and I'm not an expert on the grid and how it works and how it's interconnected across state lines. I, I don't even want to pretend that I even understand I can, it. I can give um, a little information on that. Um, so the, the issue with oil production, number one, in order for that oil to be useful, it has to be refined. And it's the refineries that have been shut down in a big way. So you, you can produce all the oil you want, but if you don't refine it in any way, then it's kind of useless. Number two, um, of course, oil production has been curved. They're making it harder to do. Curbed. Um, and number three, the Texas grid is the only grid in the United States that is not interconnected. So you have like a West grid and you have an East grid and then you have the Texan grid, 
which in a way is actually really good for Texas. They're the only country that could split and not be, uh, you know, sort of persecuted by having their power shut off. But um, in the absence of, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's causing the shortage in the power. Uh, that's that's what I don't know. So I'm sorry, Siege. Well, it could be the growth. They've had very significant growth over the last decade, uh, not only in terms of just the general populations, but a lot of corporations have moved headquarters uh, to Texas. So I'm sure the influx, I don't have data to, to bring it up, but you know, I, I know off the top of my head, a few corporations that have left either California, Illinois, who have transplanted to, to Texas, uh, whether it's laws, regulations, perhaps maybe they haven't kept up with the infrastructure needed for that massive amount of drain on power, uh, yet alone the, the, the population growth. Um, you know, maybe maybe they should have instead of focusing so much on renewables, wind, solar, they should have looked at nuclear uh, at some point, which I know that most people don't want to look outside and see a nuclear power plant in their backyard. But uh, it could be done. I remember when I lived in Arizona um, out in the desert, I can't remember where it was. There was a, a, a nuclear reactor that has operated efficiently and effectively for for several decades. Um, so, yeah. So, th- I mean, this is this is this is part of it. And. And it's somebody posted in the comments, yeah, and then and then hopefully by no by twenty thirty five they'll say no gas stations in in there and 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 I just want to touch base real quick on Cowboy the, the people that are saying hey they're doing all this on on purpose or doing this no 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 they're not smart enough to put this time place the, their only fault is just pure stupidity it's it's not intelligence okay it's not intelligence enough uh, to put this together to make this happen it's just they're they're pushed to an agenda they use crisis for every bit of of, of money printing. Uh, you see it time and time again, whether it was the war on terror, which led to trillions of dollars being printed, bailouts of the military, military industrial complex. They turn around and did the same thing with, with COVID, right? Crisis management. They have to have something to warrant the massive amount of government expenditures, printing money, propping up these corporations. And now they're turning around and doing the same thing with Ukraine. And I think they'll do the same thing with the the green energy, the crisis that's created from it. They'll have to turn around and say, well, we need... We need trillions of dollars. We need trillions of dollars to form these companies. And when it, what ends up happening? Let the money laundering begin. Let the let the let the looting begin. It's just it's just a, such a shame that that we look at these things and they continue to happen. And the power struggle that's taking place between the left right paradigm of of who's going to change those things is it's 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 not. I see you have something brought up. Let me bring this up real quick. There you go. Yeah, it's. Um, but go ahead, finish your thought. Sorry about that. Well, no, because it was going to it was go ahead and cover this first because sure. there was an interesting article that came out with the amount of people who are are so detached and frustrated with the current political system. And I'm going to after you cover this, I'm going to bring that up real quick. Go ahead. Perfect. Uh, just to top off our discussion about like power production and things like that, um, this is operable utility scale generating units. As of 2015, power plants take a long time to build, so you know you're you know, this is probably relatively accurate, at least from a uh, congruent standpoint, but you know, Texas. Okay. So they have some wind, right? Here's the problem with wind. It's not constant and it actually costs a lot of money to maintain. And it takes more energy to build a turbine and maintain it than the energy it actually produces. At least that's how it's been. I don't know if the tech's gotten better. Texas, if you look at it, um, I don't know if I can zoom in on this. I'm not going to mess things up. But if you look at Texas, it's got a lot of natural gas and a lot of your power plants. And these are electrical power plants. This is power that's turned into electricity that can run air conditioning and Tesla charging and all that. So natural gas and coal are seem to be the primary 
um, you know, for Texas and really coal is the baseline fuel for, <laughs> for a lot of things, especially if you look at the rust belt here, it's almost all coal. Um, so, you know, we do have some nuclear sort of near the edges of the country, sort of, that seems to be the place and, and a few elsewhere, you know, nuclear, I think is a great answer for electricity, but Texas is largely natural gas. If you look at this and, uh, that's kind of a concern when you have everything trying to go green because natural gas is going to be one of the first things to go. So that, you know, I would look back at the data as to what's happened to these natural gas plants and these coal plants that Texas has on its, uh, on its Eastern side. And if we look to those, we might find why we're seeing the, uh, the grid issue that we're seeing in Texas. Yep. Yep. Now, mind you where I live and I'm not, you know, a lot of people know that that watch this show, but those who do know, there's a lot of blue where I live. And that blue is uh, conventional hydro. And hydro is, um, you know, if you do have the the resources, the, the rivers and whatnot, hydro is great, um, you know. So that if you can find a place that's got a fair amount of hydro, then it actually will do fine if things kind of go south. Although the problem is, is that if you're not in Texas, your grid is connected to everybody's grid. So in a way it could turn out that, you know, if the rest of the power is knocked out, okay, so you're producing power around you. Will your local government have the authority to go ahead and cut electricity off from leaving your local grid? And those are all questions that, you know, like need some research. So, but that, I think that kind of tops off that discussion. Oh, that's, that's perfect. And I can't find that article. I thought I bookmarked it, but I, but I, but I didn't, but it basically, <clears throat> what it said, it was a, a study that revealed that I think it was based upon 3000, maybe 5,000 that were, that were questioned in regards to their level of, of disconnect of the current political system, whether it be uh, Republicans, Democrats, it went into a little bit of why uh, both are, are kind of frustrated with things. And at the end of the day, I think more people are open up to the idea that systematically the, the, it, the system's broken. And, and I'm going to say this again, my, my biggest fear is that, they're going to put into the psyche, the to the to the realm of what they believe is going to be the next construct of the big struggle, and that's going to be the the midterms. I'm sure that Trump. It looks like maybe he did. Maybe he's decided to go ahead and announce that he's that he's running again, which we knew they need that. They they need that that villain. They need Biden to be the villain that that the the right hate, and that when the midterms happen, there there's going to be hearings. They need to. Be, put that narrative forth that something is happening, that something is changing systematically to our country that people get excited about that. We, you know, we manage our politics like we do our sports team that my team is winning in reality. It's not in reality. It's not there. There's no, there's no turning back from this, this cycle that we're on in regards to whether it's, it's, it's wholesale prices up 11.3%, whether it's inflation, every bit of the measurements that they will put forth is going to fail. And, and, and wait, real wages are down. I mean, how are you, are you going to walk into your employer and say, Hey, by the way, I need a, I need a 9% increase to keep up with, yeah. with inflation. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, or try wages, try more like 20% if you want that. <laughs> yeah. 20%. Exactly. So all these, all these signs are not good. It's going to be very interesting to see what the fed uh, does, whether they try to go back to the Carter era to fight the inflation with, uh, raising rates up, but they can't. Um, if if they do, it's just going to basically just kill everything. If they try to go back to those types of interest rates, so so we're we're in a free fall. The 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 single polar world is 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 changing. It's being 
um, dismantled. And, and we need the adults to enter the room to say that we need to change course here. Uh, but Actually, we don't have um, that. We don't have that here in the United States. Go ahead, go ahead, cowboy. Well, the kids, and this is a perfect segue, what you just said, right? So the kids are actually still going to throw another tantrum. So the the main control mechanism for people right now, at least it seems the tools that they want to use are number one, uh, medical tyranny. And we've talked enough about that. We know, we know all about that forced, you know, uh, forced injections things, but the main thing is going to be money. And we talked enough about this. So the president signed, um, Executive Order 14067. I think it was pretty recently. Uh, I'm not looking at the day. It says March, March 9th. Okay. So this happened kind of quietly. Like I'm surprised I didn't hear about this because this is sort of in my uh, my wheelhouse. Executive Order 14067, ensuring responsible development of digital assets. Mind you, um, so with ESG, right? They're trying to tell these countries they're doing the right thing. So what they do, and this is very Hitler Hitlerian, very, very Soviet, is they name very 1984. They name something the opposite of what it's really going to do. So responsible development of digital assets, right? Okay. What they want to do is they want to control you. You put, you know, they're going to make your money digital. They can spy on you. Uh, Velas actually uh, posted some stuff about this uh, yesterday in discord. And, and that's kind of part of why it's on my radar. So uh, let's just say that you want to spread some truth. You know, you want to, you want to talk about how the government's lying. Well, they can shut your money off with these. So it's not crypto. Okay. It's just, it's programmed money. Uh, they could do things like, uh, they can give it an expiration date. So you have to spend it by a certain amount. Therefore, there's no possible way to save anything. Now, when this gets put in, I guarantee you, they've been able to hold gold down in the current environment, even gold's being uh, suppressed right now. It's about 1700. It was above 2000 when things really started to kind of hit the fan. So, you know, it's, they, will they will do what they can to control you and uh Catherine Austin Fitz does a really good job i really recommend listening to her she's she's she talks about some pretty wild things like you know weather weapons and why not you know earthquake weapons but she actually um held a high position in the financial uh, part of the federal government she knows what's up um and this is part of the control grid so yeah it's right there that's it's starting mind you um it could also be what fractures the union because people don't want to be controlled and they don't want you start messing with people's money um you know you start doing that that's no bueno P, you know people will freak out and so you know i i do recommend um independent economy right so i moved to an area that has a lot of local food production um, i'm looking into buying some uh some equipment to manufacture simple parts like screws and bolts and some things like that i have a family who does that business and i'm you know starting to grow food and there's a lot of things i'm doing so that if things kind of go a certain direction i can barter i can have something to trade you know what i mean that that kind of thing um, and there are, and I've been circulating a video for over, oh gosh, since 2020 now, since before I left, uh, Los Angeles that the, one of the main, and I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in discord. And there are three main tools to fight tyranny. One of them is parallel systems. Parallel systems are systems that you set up in your local area, local economy, local currency. They'll try to outlaw local currencies, but they really can't. Um, you know, it could be something as simple as nails and bullets and gold and barter and credit system. That's how things have always operated anyway. Um, and then one of the, I forget number three, but number two is humor. So the memes, 
all that stuff. If we laugh at these people for how stupid they are, that actually is very, very um, powerful, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, you know that that's why Stalin would actually. Uh, I think he tried to outlaw jokes against him. Like if you made a joke against Stalin, you would disappear. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. You're gone. you know, it, we'll see. Ya. They're gone. Now, now they weren't exactly armed over there like we are here. So you know, I'd say um, you know defend the Second Amendment every bit you can. And every show I've been talking about this group of normies, right? So I got some buddies from California, largely uh, largely Latino, and they told me they said, "Don't call us Latinx, puto. We're Latino." I said, "Okay, yeah. I never I'm called you again, that." I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so and there's there, you know, those are I mean, we're talking about some of the oldest friends I've got. And uh, you know, the oldest as in longest lasting. And we're doing a bachelor party, so we're in this like chat group, and a lot of them are normies, one of them is like a socialist. So there's some po- political stuff in there, unfortunately, and fortunately. And uh it's just it's amazing. A lot of these guys, they don't they're like starting to become conservative and they don't even know it they think they're (laughs) think they're in the middle but they want to move away from the country and they want to support the second amendment (laughs) so yeah it's i think people are waking up and that's the that's the point to my my normie discussion absolutely absolutely cowboy anything else on your radar before we close out uh this this uh session of rogue rogue mornings no, no, I think we covered a lot. Um, and the, Catherine Austin Fitz did just do a video with Greg Hunter. So she's really, really good at talking about the control grid. Um, part of it is the uh, the Vax passports. Part of it is the electronic money. Um, so, you know, you can just go Google that. Um, go find her. She's on Rumble, um, you know, Solara Report. I, I think she's great. I think she does a lot of good work. And I always, I've been saying this the last few weeks, but uh, CJ, your CBD is the best CBD. And I know CBD pretty well. So, uh, you know, that's, thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate my, it. Yeah, thank yeah, you. it's, it's really great. It's, it's I'm going, uh, you know, kind of starting a cleanse. And before I start the cleanse, I unwrap by going a lot healthier. And uh, the CBD kind of keeps things easy when you when you have that. I don't know. You just get nervous because you want to, you know, go do something that's not as healthy. And just a little bit of CBD kind of calms you down. So it's really good stuff. Helps me sleep. Yeah. And, and to tie that in, I, I put it on my personal stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure everyone was remembers back in October, I did the uh, the, the actual October, Sober October program. And uh, I felt great. I went through the entire month. I gave up um, alcohol and, and I felt super. And being in, in that particular industry, I get contacted, you know, nearly every day, every other day in regards to someone that right now with anxiety and stress, just being being off the charts for, for so many people and people looking for a type of, of relief. Um, see a lot of other people doing, you know, doing creative things. Uh, but I really I'm a firm believer in, in getting back to natural health as far as your own core yourself core that you know you can take any different type of product supplements whatever you want but if you're not systematically functioning in your core level of your health diet nutrition exercise all you're doing is just just you know just putting a a, a cover on it so so for that reason and i'm going to post this also in the discord uh i'm going to launch another 30-day challenge uh starting august 1st it's going to be based upon two areas that is to give up something toxic in your life whether it's cigarettes, uh, alcohol, you know, cannabis, whatever it is, and then also be a, a fitness component as well uh, to try to do so- something new daily, whether it's whether it's walking, doesn't have to be too strenuous, walking and maybe playing some tennis, whatever it is. Uh, and then I'm also going to be trying to conduct some interviews with some real uh, health coaches that have solutions to kind of help people. I think it's just that important. And then hopefully we can we can make a difference uh, to help kind of people in life. I know that's kind of wish-washy or kind of, you know, way out there. But, you know, again, when we see this many people that are struggling 
on a day-to-day basis, you know, look, this is the way I look at it. That when you look at the growth, I know in my area alone, it seems like any new building, no matter where it is in the suburbs, wherever it's growing, nearly every new complex or renovation is, is a, some type of a medical facility, an emergent care, um, a, a clinic and stuff. And when you look at the amount of money that we spend per capita on our health care, yet we have some of the worst health outcomes. We have, uh, we have the, the death rate that's increasing for the, for the young. We have uh, just, just so many things that are, that are incorrect. And, and why is that industry flourishing? Why, why, why is healthcare like the top grossing and so many people going into it? And I'm not mad at doctors. I'm not mad at nurses. I'm not saying anything like that. But systematically, we have to realize that something is very broken with healthcare in our country. And, and we got to change that. We, we have to get back uh, to some natural things to fight back against, against this, this agenda. So that's, that's my two cents. I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, I'll put more information in the in the Discord about it. And so for those tuning in, if you're interested, drop into that. We can have some fun with it. We can, we can do some fun stuff as well. So just wanted to plug well, I'm directly that involved in that too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so it'll be it'll be some some fun stuff. So uh with that being said, I want to thank all of you for tuning in uh to another edition of Rogue Mornings. Uh, thank you, Cowboy, for for joining. Uh, programming update we will have tomorrow uh, uh v is for velas at 11 a.m uh eastern standard time and still aiming for the uh strategic hour with matthew Eric at 2 p.m on friday just kind of pending a couple of things that are in the air uh, but in the interim again roguenews.com the place to be if you do want to jump in the discord with us drop me an email cg at roguenews.com i'll get you the link to join in there uh, so that way you can join the ever-growing rogue community so cowboy Thank you so much, and everyone enjoy the rest of your day. See it.